0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. So to begin, this story happened back in 2018. I arrived in this small rural town near Cape May, New Jersey. The company I was working for at the time was sending me out to go door-to-door advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day, as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy, with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge, and it was a weird tense atmosphere that I shrugged off as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a red bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all, surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, the scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off the main road. I had to stop at different streets, and some were in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless roads. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula, you had to go down a very long road past the summer camp area, past the trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small expensive houses, and shore access. The Houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they looked so expensive. Every house had its own theme, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back to avoid being alone on that long, deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark and isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path so far so good as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road I was walking a bit faster since there were no street lights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. No crickets, no birds, just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks and got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements and then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No. It looked like a large dog, but dogs don't get this big though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was, hadn't noticed me. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman, I would rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone with a man I don't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance finally noticed my presence. It was observing me, not entirely sure of what to do with me. There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to be a black bear with a shoulder height of at least five feet on all fours, which is comparable in size to a brown bear. The mass of this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked like a wolf on steroids. It was very muscular. I also noticed that the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German shepherd or a wolf as it had perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl their way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still, and then it dawned on me. What I was looking at wasn't a normal animal, and it was simply too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalog of fauna. And if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was simply too big though to calm myself down I threw the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary out because I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe a large dog or coyote. I also did not believe in cryptids and was completely unaware of what size coyotes are supposed to be, so I made a quick decision, realizing that this could very well be a life-or-death situation, I came to the conclusion, that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come across to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing and startling scream, howl I could muster and just sprint the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive, but then it quickly changed its mind to deciding it wasn't worth a fight as it ran a decent distance into the woods. Not too far, though, I decided to sprint as fast as I could pass that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road and noticed there was a summer camp area with streetlights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pound out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up and still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around, looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt like the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit, and I quickly made my way over. I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me, and I told them what had happened to me that night, and how I was treated by the locals. lady of the family, who I presumed to be the mother, said I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark, and there are creepy people who live around here. The impression she was giving me was that there were animal encounters she couldn't explain and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area, and people who should have been arrested but haven't been. She was equally concerned about the people as she was about the animals around this place. This gave me goosebumps. How many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and not make it to any other houses. For this day... I still have no idea what creature I had encountered. There are strange things in the woods, things people don't speak about or cover up. I felt like the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So, weird creature I encountered in those woods, let's never meet again. My name is Jay, and my journey from being a wrongfully convicted ex-prisoner to a park ranger took an unexpected turn when a covert government agency recruited me for a mission of utmost importance. My task was to investigate a suspected smuggling plot that endangered the lives of rhinos, hunted for their valuable tusks destined for the black market. As I embarked on my mission, little did I know that I would encounter something beyond the realm of my imagination. To gather crucial evidence, I meticulously placed cameras throughout the National Park. It was during one of these installations that I witnessed something that sent chills down my spine. As I adjusted a camera's angle, a strange presence made itself known. A creature, like something out of a nightmare, emerged before my eyes. It stood tall, bipedal, and possessed an aura of otherworldliness. Yellow eyes glowed fiercely from a face that resembled a werewolf, while razor-sharp claws extended from its fingers. My heart raced, and a wave of both fear and curiosity washed over me. This was not a creature from any textbook or scientific record. As I fumbled for my camera to capture this inexplicable sight, the creature swiftly vanished into the depths of the woods. I was left stunned, questioning my own perception of reality. What had I just witnessed? Was it a figment of my imagination or something far more sinister? Despite the lingering confusion, I continued with my mission. I knew that uncovering the smuggling plot and protecting the rhinos was my top priority. Days turned into weeks as I painstakingly gathered evidence and analyzed the camera footage. The creature, however, remained an enigma, an unanswered question that gnawed at the back of my mind. As I reviewed the footage from that fateful encounter, a mixture of awe and trepidation coursed through me. It was undeniable. I had captured the presence of the creature on camera, yet the footage offered no logical explanation for its existence. My mind raced possibilities. Could this creature be a result of some twisted experiment? Or perhaps it was a mythical being that had somehow found its way into our world? While the mystery of the creature lingered, my duty as a park ranger prevailed. I stayed focused on my mission, determined to bring the smugglers to justice and safeguard the rhinos from harm. The camera footage became crucial evidence in unraveling the smuggling network, and with the help of the covert government agency, we successfully dismantled their operations. But as I looked back at that encounter with the creature, I couldn't help but wonder what did I just seen? I grew up in rural British Columbia. One time my parents and I were out in the middle of nowhere, picking Saskatoon berries on the side of the highway. My dad had gone further into the woods to take a leak, or maybe to find a better spot, I guess. This guy in a shiny black car pulled over and started talking to my mom and I. I remember he was very charming, wearing really nice clothes with his hair slicked back. I'm from a small town where people wear plaid and camo together, so this seemed weird. The guy asked us about what we were picking, then said he had berries too and offered us some. Later I thought that was weird because it was just a regular grocery store carton of blackberries. He kept chatting for a bit, more talking in us than with us. My mom, I think, was trying to be polite. But when my dad came back, the guy just messed right off. I hadn't thought about this for years, but thinking back, that is creepy as hell. If the guy didn't have some ulterior motive, then why would he drive away so fast? I mean... Either way, if he was just trying to flirt with my mom, the middle of nowhere is not really the best place to do that. This is more my sister's story since I slept through the whole thing. Her boyfriend lived three doors down. She was coming home late one night and noticed the garage door was open. She thought Dad left it open. He's forgetful like that. But then, as she approached, she could see the door leading to the house from the garage was ajar. That doctor slammed shut automatically. It's like on a spring or something. She ran back to her boyfriend's place thinking we're getting robbed. He grabbed his baseball bat and started towards the house. Why he didn't just call the cops right away, I don't know. Let's blame the teenage hormones. He was nearly at the house when a man comes out of the garage and sees him. He bolts between the two houses. He would have had to hop the two tall fences to clear the yard and get to the wooded ravine behind our house. He did it fast. They woke my parents, who had enough sense, to call the cops. They came and investigated, but the guy was long gone. Turns out he had used my shoe to pry the house door open. Nothing was missing. Me and my parents were in the house sleeping while he just snooped. maybe watched. I slept through the whole thing. Cops and all. Just told me about it the next day. Fast forward a couple of years later. A successful army pilot is arrested for murder. This guy was a pilot for our prime minister, Canada. He started with breaking and entering in our part of town. No stealing, just snooping. He lived one neighborhood over. He eventually escalated and was caught. I'm convinced it was him. If my sister had been 15 minutes earlier, who knows what he would have done if he was caught in the act, I took a deep breath as I stood at the entrance of the newly discovered cave system. As a park ranger I was no stranger to adventure, but this mission felt different. Our team, composed of fellow rangers and a group of experienced spelunkers, was tasked with exploring and mapping the extensive caverns beneath the National Park. As we descended into the darkness the air grew cooler and more oppressive. Our headlamps cast eerie shadows on the cave walls. Revealing breathtaking stalactite formations that had taken millennia to form. The spelunkers led the way, expertly navigating the treacherous passages and guiding us deeper into the heart of the cave system. As we ventured further, we stumbled upon something none of us could have anticipated. A horrifying, previously unknown species of crawlers that had evolved in the darkness, these creatures were unlike anything we had ever encountered. With pale, translucent skin, elongated limbs, and razor-sharp teeth. They were territorial and aggressive, stopping at nothing to protect their subterranean habitat from the intruders who dared to enter. With each passing moment, our situation grew more desperate as the crawlers closed in on us. We were forced to rely on... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. doing our best to evade the vicious creatures that hunted us. Time was running out, and we knew we had to find a way to escape this subterranean nightmare before it was too late. Through sheer determination and a stroke of luck, we managed to find a narrow passageway that led back to the surface. As we scrambled out of the cave, our hearts pounding with relief. We were met by two men dressed in black suits, their expressions stern and unyielding. "'You must keep silent about.' What you have seen down there, one of the men warned, his voice cold and commanding. Those creatures are government property, and we cannot allow their existence to become public knowledge. The weight of their words settled heavily upon us, but we knew we had no choice but to comply. This happened about sixteen years ago, and I still don't know how to wrap my head around it. So. My friend and I were sitting on my brother's bed watching TV, just chatting and hanging out. My brother had a box of metal bob pellets on the bed. Wouldn't bother moving, because he had his stuff everywhere. While we were hanging out, my big German shepherd, Guinness came running into the room playfully and jumped up onto the bed, causing the box of bed pellets to flip over and scatter everywhere. I still remember the sound of them hitting the hardwood floor. However, as this was happening, it was as though time reversed literally rewound, and my dog ended up back on the floor as if he jumped down backwards, and all the beady pellets reversed back into the box. Even Guinness had a look of confusion on his face, and he ran out of the room. When we looked down, there were absolutely no pellets on the ground, and the box was closed and secure on the bed. My friend also remembers this in vivid detail. Otherwise, I would probably convince myself it was a weird dream, but we both experienced it and remember it all these years later. I haven't spoken about these events to anyone since they've happened to me over a decade ago. Honestly, closer to 15 years. I am now a 30-year-old man and what I experienced in Red Ash. Carryville, Tennessee happened to me when I was about 15 or 16 years old. Red Ash is a small area off Interstate. 75 running through Campbell County, Tennessee the county where I was born and raised and still reside in now. Red Ash was established over a hundred years ago as a little mining province, but is now defined as the land between Red Ash Cemetery and Red Ash Baptist Church, off of Old Tennessee Highway 63, and if you go googling it, you'll see that it has a reputation of arguably being one of the most haunted. Places in Tennessee, from ghosts of miners, goatmen, and even murdered witches, If you read long and deep enough, you'll see there's lots of strange happenings around this area. But I am not here to tell you I saw a seven-foot-tall man with the head of a goat and hooven feet standing at the base of a train-track tussle. But what I saw I still to this day can't explain. About fifteen years ago a few friends and I, one guy who was a couple years older than myself and two lady friends of ours, were driving around one Saturday night looking to find something to get into in our small, quiet town. So naturally, of course, we came to the conclusion to do what all the teenage kids do that grow up in our county. We decided to go to Red Ash and test some of the legends, and boy are there a lot of them. But those are stories for a different page. This one isn't about urban legends. This is about what I actually saw. We went to a set of train tracks that if you park on and turn your vehicle off that, somehow the car will start to rock and gently roll off the tracks. That didn't work for us. So we decided to head up the road to the cemetery to tell ghost stories. On the ride to the cemetery, one of the girls with us said her grandpa had told her on one of the unnamed dirt roads in red Ash as an old abandoned graveyard where a lady was murdered and buried almost two hundred years ago for supposedly being a witch. We thought what the hell and decided to go looking for this graveyard to see if we could find the unmarked grave. We turned down one dirt road barely wide enough for my friend's small car and drove down it for a few minutes when all of a sudden we're hit with blue lights behind us. And when I say all of a sudden, I mean it. Now, mind you, it was around midnight and pretty dark out, but we didn't see headlights or anything trailing behind us. Just the burst of blue police lights. My friend pulls off the road as much as possible, and the cop pulls behind us and gets out of his cruiser and walks to the door. My friend already has his window down. It's late July and 80 degrees at night with no ACK in his car, and he is waiting to be asked for his license and registration. The cop doesn't ask for it. He walks up and looks through the roll-down window at my friend and says, You guys shouldn't be here. It's dangerous and a bad place. Please leave. Now I'm not sure about you guys, but hearing a cop say shouldn't and please isn't normal. Usually we hear can't now. But that's what he said, and it threw my friend off, and he kind of stammered for words before the cop repeated himself, Please tell me you'll turn around. You shouldn't be here. It's dangerous. This time, though, my friend said yes, sir, and the cop just turned around and walked back to his car, turned off his lights, and drove around us, continuing on the road. That's when I noticed he wasn't driving one of the Tahoe's or chargers they typically drove, but a Crown Vickin, an old Crown Vic. An early eighties square body Crown Victoria car. It was so bizarre that we didn't think much of it then. We just decided to head straight and follow him and turn around when he did. We followed him for a few seconds up until he went up the hill on the dirt road and went around the curve. Once we got up there, past the curve, and we noticed he was gone. Couldn't see any signs of his vehicle or anything. He wasn't pulled over off the road, so we thought he might have been more familiar with the road, and must have sped up to get to the end of it. So we followed the road for a couple more miles. No sign of the cop anywhere. Until we got to the end of the road, and it ended in a dead end, the cop was still nowhere to be found. No signs of him passing us, pulling off the road, which was barely wide enough for him to pass us while we were pulled off it earlier, and there were no roads connecting to this old dirt road. So many little weird things happen. And honestly, I still don't know what I saw or how to explain it. All I can say is that things are weird up there around Red Ash, and even now, I still listen to that cop. It's dangerous up there, and I stay away from it. My name is Naya and I am a spirited young woman of the tribe that resides near the great lake. Our village has always been a place of serenity, surrounded by the whispers of ancient spirits and the quiet lapping of the lake's water on the shore. Lately, however, strange occurrences have begun to plague our people. It all started when a colossal serpent-like creature emerged from the depths of the lake. The elders spoke in hushed tones of the legends surrounding this beast and fear gripped the hearts of our tribe members. It was clear that we needed a champion to protect our people from the impending doom. As fate would have it, the tribe's shaman chose me for this task, citing my strong connection to the spirits. I was both honored and terrified by this responsibility, but I knew that I could not let my tribe down. As I set out on my quest, I encountered a warrior from a rival tribe who was also searching for a way to defeat the Serpent. His strength and courage captivated me, and I couldn't help but fall in love with him. But as our people faced annihilation, I knew that I had to choose between my love for this warrior and my duty to my tribe. I came up with a plan to imitate the serpent's behavior and movements, hoping to confuse it into believing it was seeing its own reflection. If successful, this might cause the creature to question its actions or reveal its weaknesses. As the serpent rose from the lake, I began to mirror its movements, slithering and twisting through the water. At first, the creature seemed puzzled, staring at me with its cold, unblinking eyes. Gradually, its confusion turned to agitation, and I could sense that my plan was working. In a moment of desperation, the serpent lunged toward me, revealing the vulnerable spot beneath its head. I knew that this was my chance to strike and end the beast's reign of terror but I also knew that doing so would require the ultimate sacrifice. With a heavy heart, I made my decision. I would give my life to protect my people and the ones I loved. As I plunged my weapon into the serpent's vulnerability, I felt a sense of peace wash over me, knowing that my sacrifice would not be in vain. As the serpent let out its final agonizing cry and sank back into the depths of the lake, The people of both tribes bore witness to the end of the beast's terror. My sacrifice had not only saved our people, but also brought a new era of unity between the tribes. In the end, the memory of my actions would live on in the hearts and minds of our people. My love for the warrior from the rival tribe serving as a symbol of the unity that now bound us together. And as the lake's mystical waters continued to lap against the shore, our story would become a legend passed down through the generations. My name is Akashida, and I was once a brave and gifted warrior among my people. Our tribe lived in harmony with the land, our peaceful existence seemingly unshakable. That was, until the day the Thunderbird came, the monstrous creature, a colossal bird with feathers as dark as the night sky, descended upon our village like a vengeful storm. It was said that the Thunderbird had been angered by a sacred artifact stolen from its nest, and now it sought retribution. As the tribe's most skilled warrior, I was chosen to confront the Thunderbird and return the stolen artifact to its rightful place. With a heavy heart I embarked on my perilous journey, guided by the wisdom of our shaman and the spirits of my ancestors. As I drew closer to the Thunderbird's domain, I discovered a startling truth. The Thunderbird was not the true enemy of our people, but rather a powerful ally in a battle against a more sinister force. A malevolent shapeshifter that sought to destroy our tribe and claim the sacred artifact for itself. Realizing that I needed to change my strategy, I decided to manipulate the environment to my advantage. The shipshifter thrived in darkness, so I would flood the area with light. If it relied on a specific element, I would remove or neutralize that element. The confrontation that followed was both harrowing and awe-inspiring. With the help of the Thunderbird, I illuminated the battlefield, forcing the Shapeshifter to reveal its true form. We fought with all our might, the very fate of our people hanging in the balance. Despite our valiant efforts, we were unable to save my tribe from the Shapeshifter's wrath. The village was left in ruins, and many of our people perished but I knew that our fight had not been in vain. Our struggle against the shapeshifter would become a legend among our people, a tale of bravery and sacrifice that would inspire future generations. Though I was unable to save my tribe, I had become a symbol of courage and hope. The memory of my battle alongside the Thunderbird would live on in the hearts and minds of our people, a testament to the power of unity and determination in the face of adversity. As the sun set on the remains of our village I knew that our story would endure, a beacon of hope and strength for all who would come after us, for even in the darkest of times the spirit of our people would always find a way to persevere. Two stories, but not incredibly out-in-the-wilderness stories. These happen in the woods by my suburban house. First three years ago my mom and I were home alone and we went to bed. I woke up because of a bright light in my room. This was a school day, so I was worried I missed my alarm. I went to my window and looked outside, and the night sky looked as clear as day. It was spectacular. The moon and a few of the brighter stars were in a blue sky that was darker and eventually black at the horizon, and you could see the color of the grass and trees and flowers we planted. I was absolutely mesmerized by it and then I checked my phone and remember thinking, WTF, it's 1 a.m.? I don't remember how long I stayed looking outside, but eventually I woke my mom up and showed her, and we were both stunned. It happened a few more times, but I haven't seen a night sky so visible ever since. Second story is a bit short and cliche. Found an abandoned house, but this one is in a thicket maybe a block away from mine. I went with a few friends in the winter to explore it after a big snowball fight. We found vials filled with clear liquid, televisions, and intact Chevy Chevette. We went further in the house, and what I presumed be its yard, which barely had a roof anymore, and found chairs around tables and makeshift fire pits, which looked recently placed. Finally, we found piles of black trash bags buried in the snow. After opening one, we saw that they were filled with decomposing clothing and boots. At that point, we all decided hard-nope friends and buggered off out of there. After talking about it recently, we think it may have been some junkie's hideout, which is unnerving since this house is only a block away from mine, thirty feet away from a major pedestrian bike path and right behind a school.